Welcome to a brand new season of Pagan Gumbo Podcast, coming to you from the secret cave under the stairs on the banks of the Olentangy. We're your hosts, Seamus, Michael, Lisa, and I'm Forrest. Thanks for joining us as we embark on a mission to explore the many facets of pantheism, nature-based spirituality, philosophy, and magic. This is, of course, an ongoing and evolving discussion with infinite room for growth. We welcome your comments and questions at info at pagangumbo.com. This episode, we're looking at early spellcrafting experiences in our own lives and how they paved the way for our current practices. And I'm going to lob this one over to Lisa. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, I'll get, I'll get us started on the what didn't work um, aspect of things. Um, I was, you know, as I said in other episodes, when I first started, there was not a lot of places where... Um, places where you could um go and so there was a couple bookstores and so i remember buying i had no idea what to buy so i bought a silver athame because the book said you had to have one and um i bought this powdered incense because i thought that looked cool and i brought it home and i put it in a little dish and tried to light it and nothing happened i couldn't get it to light so i called um the store after a while, I'm like, this is there's something I must be doing wrong, and so I, which I was, I called the store, and the store owner was very must must get this question, must have gotten this question a lot, um, and he was very nice and didn't laugh at me or anything, and explained how you use the charcoal to put the powdered incense on. I'm like, oh okay, so that was one early experience. Um, then I decided um, one of my earliest spells that I remember attempting was I think it was in Scott Cunningham's book. It was about helping your plants grow. It was something about getting more connected to the energies of growth in the earth and, and stuff like that. I can't remember exactly all the, the words about it, but the idea is you cast it a circle and you'd give the plant your energy. And if you wanted, you could add, um, had you, you had like a, a water and I think maybe some other herbs and stuff in it that probably were promoting uh, fertility and stuff like that. And it said if you wanted, you could put some of your blood in it to be able to... Um, you know, connect your energy with the plant and so you could have some, et cetera. So I said, oh, okay, I can do that. So um, I went on a search for lancets because that's what it suggested to use. And um, I didn't know they came in boxes of 100. I didn't think I would need that many. I probably still have the box if we haven't used it for other stuff. But um, um, all right, all right. So in my little apartment, I've cast my circle lights are down I've got some soft music playing to kind of drown out the noises of the city um, one of the cats is probably there with me 
and I do all the stuff, and they get, mix the herbs in the water, and then I go to that faithful moment where I go to prick my finger so I can add some drops of blood to the water, and I hit my finger with the lancet, and it, nothing happens because I'm not doing it with enough force because I think it's going to hurt because it is going to hurt. <laughs> and so, But eventually I get it, and so I start to put drops of blood, and then I start feeling lightheaded because I am not good with needles and sharp objects. Um, and I basically almost, I don't know if I all the way passed out from <laughs> oh, these no. two little drops of blood, but I came close to it. And so that's when I sort of decided that that type of magic was not going to be something that I would be involved with at that time. Um, I, th- I believe the plant survived. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't remember to this you know, right now which plant it was. Um, but, uh, you know, you just keep say, okay, that's not the kind of spell work I can do. So that's my first spell. Um, um, but I live to tell the tale. So. so if you're out there contemplating your first spell and it goes kind of weird, don't worry about it. It's fine. And maybe don't start right away with bloodletting. Right, yeah, that seemed to be a little... But it didn't seem like it was going to be that big of a deal, but turns out. <laughs> what about you, Seamus? Uh, I think it was very much uh, like like Lisa was saying. You know, you get your book cracked open, and you're you're making sure you've got the right color candle, and you're so worried about everything being exactly uh, how the book says, and... Uh, I remember the books that you had to do it at this time and, and you got to <laughs> wait for the moon to, to do, be, be here and you do it as the clock's running up to the full hour and I'm just all this stuff and it's like, oh my gosh, so much pressure, I got to do this right. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, trying to pronounce the you know uh, Gaelic, uh, Celtic names and, and um, but it was... Uh, I won't go into the, the entire details because we don't have that time. But let's just say I asked for a love I deserved, thinking one thing, thinking it was going to repair a relationship I was in, and instead it stripped me down. I ended up losing uh, that relation came to an end. I lost my job. I lost my house. I lost my car. And um, I was just short of Chris Farley living in a van down, down by, by the, the river. river. <laughs> <laughs> But but then, then the gods rebuilt everything, and it was through that rebuilding process I found a better job. I was able to get a better car, and I was eventually able to uh, find uh, the love of my life now. And through a, um, a, a process, get to the the place where I have the job I want and I always wanted, which is running a magical store. So, what I learned in my very first spell was that gods are like lawyers and you've got to make sure you really know what you're asking for and you're really defining the small print of that agreement at least in my life that's been my experience so i think um my experience has been similar (laughs) but i would debate um the point about how specific you need to be with with these lawyer deities of ours. Um, I had a really similar mm-hmm. kind of spell working go off. This was not one of my earlier ones. I, well, early? maybe, you know what? Let, let me just, maybe it's not that the gods are lawyers, but you really have to have a defined understanding of what you really what want. What you want, Maybe yes. that's it. Maybe I, I was not, I was too vague in my own mind. But that's kind of part of the process of learning how to do magic, I think, is, is having a few go off on you, Harry Potter style, like blowing up your Aunt Marge. And being like, oops, that happened. But yeah. finding out later on, it's like, okay, well, yeah, but how did I want to 
feel? And how did these things in my life actually serve me or fail to serve me? And was it was I better off in the end? Yes, you were. So it oh, kind absolutely. Of like leaving it in the hands of divinity and and having faith, if you use that word kind of more accurately than it is used, I think, now, um, to to allow the universe to direct things with less of our supposed control over them and, and find that things fall into place a little more easily. Um, in my case, it was very similar. I realized that my, my job, relationship, living situation, and really every other condition I could have conceived just of at the, the time. entire checklist. Just, yeah, the whole checklist was just like unsatisfying, unsatisfying. <laughs> Everything was not cool. So um, at that time, I think I had done enough spell work to say, yeah, I don't know what I want, but I do know that I don't want to feel like this. And I know that the, the emotional experience that I would like to have in my life is one of fulfillment and peace and contentment and you know, feeling driven to reach the goals that I set from the whole gamut, which was not being fulfilled at the time. So I, I kind of uh, went into the spellcrafting at that moment with the sense of, I don't know what's going to happen, and I'm going to be okay with that. I'm going to decide mm. to be okay with not knowing how this is going to turn out. And did a three-day working, very intense, very elaborate, and um, came out of it really feeling like something shifted. And same as you, you know, my job came to a screeching halt. My uh, living situation, which had been, you know, very cute and very cozy, became vermin-infested, horrible, Not cannot live there anymore. Um, my relationship definitely ended. That part I knew had to happen. Um, and, but every, like you said, everything was replaced by much better, more sustainable, more mm-hmm. fulfilling, and way healthier um, stuff immediately there I mean like immediately thereafter I finally broke up with toxic relationship of six years in the same night under direction of my therapist don't be alone don't just sit there and be alone after you break up with him um, go out to one of my favorite clubs and lo and behold the guy I'd been dancing on the same dance floor with for about those same six years decided he was going to have a conversation with me <laughs> for the first time on that day I was like thanks guys looking skyward um, so it, yeah, I, I think um, it, while it was not one of my earliest uh, examples of, of magic or experiences with magic, it was definitely the, the most impactful and the mm. one that really solidified for me, like, wow, well, this stuff totally works. Just not the way I had in mind, which is fine. What about you, Michael? Well, I think it's best for me to preface this by saying I am terrible at following directions. <laughs> and... Really? I know, right? Shocking. Shocking I am. And so I looked at a lot of the cookbook-style spells that you find in you know, the, the Cunninghams and the, the Silver Ray Wolves of the world, and I said, you know, those don't really do it for me. Um, and so I never really got into doing spell work like that. I like to write those kinds of spells. They're fun. But I don't like following other people's directions. And... What I ended up doing and the the kinds of spell work that really worked for me weren't those kinds of spells where you sit down and you you know you, you take this much mistletoe and this much this many bay leaves and you write wishes on the bay leaves and and do stuff like that it's not me but um probably the earliest stuff that sort of fits that bill um is 
the guided meditation kind of work and the astral projection kind of work and the shamanic journey kind of work sort of stuff, that genre of work. And that's really what I started doing um, based out of the books that I was reading. I, I put my imagination to work mm. and I used my imagination to sort of build this vision process that I still use today. Um, so I think one of the early books that was really influential on me in this was uh, DJ Conway's Oak, Ash, and Thorn. I could say a lot of things about DJ Conway's books, and I'm not going to go into them right now, but that particular book is actually pretty good at showing you um, different ways to sort of dive into this idea of visualization and trance work. And I have reams of paper journals um, about the work that I did doing that. Um, and I spend a lot of time today in my magical practice um, doing vision work to supplement the work that I do in this realm. And that has been kind of a, a big influence on how I do my work. So when I talk about, um, you know, does this stuff work? If someone asks me, how, how do I make sure the, the, the gate opening and ritual works? And I say, well, you have to see it. If you can't see it, if you can't see the gates opening, if you can't see the presence of the spirits, if they're not there winking at you out of the corner of your eye, no one else is going to see it either. So you have to see it. You have to understand it. You have to, to feel it as well. And Dare I say, you have to manifest it. You have to manifest it. Exactly. And we can call it imagination. We can call it um, the the conjuring of things that aren't really there if we want but at the end of the day I tend to think that vision is it stands upon two pillars uh, it stands upon the pillar of memory and the pillar of imagination that those things that you imagine and those things that you remember come together to create vision and um, that early work that I did and I mean it was it was kind of hilarious as I look back on it I mean there's a there's an instruction in DJ Conway's book about you know create a cave and so I made a cave out of a card table and a blanket. Nice. Crawled into it and did incubation under a card table and blanket. I can dig it. Um, it was what I had access to. It was great. <laughs> That's really good. Um, and, but those early experiments with, with vision and, and with, with that kind of magic are really what kickstarted me into this work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, do what you can with it. I think you had on something important of... Um, how your work supports what you do in the mundane world. I think sometimes when people do spell work um, of whatever type, it's, well, I've done that. Now things will happen. And there are some cases um, where um, that Forrest and Seamus talked about where that may have been the case. There's other cases though, where if you don't follow it up with things in this real, in the real world, it's not going to work. If you want Mm -hmm. a job, but you don't put out any, you do a job cast, a job finding spell, but you don't put out applications and resumes, well, duh, the spell's not going to work. I want my plant to live. If I know me, it probably didn't because I probably didn't water it. (laughs) So, and it has nothing to do with the spell and the fact that it made me pass out. It was just the fact that I didn't water the plant. Well, and I mean, Forrest, you, you mentioned that you decided to go out that night. So mm-hmm. everything ended. You could have stayed in. Right. And that opportunity would have passed you by. Mm-hmm. So you had to go out to make something happen. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it, I think that that's an excellent point, making sure that what we do in the mundane material world is um, congruent with what we are doing on the astral or in our imaginations or in our, our magical practices or else we're expecting... As above, so below. Thing. Exactly, <laughs> yes, as within, so without. And, or else we're, we're being really kind of unfair in expecting that the, the magical forces will do work that we're not willing to do. I totally agree. Totally. I think that uh, it's two sides of the same coin, and I think people get it wrong the other way, too. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, magic, spirituality isn't something that should be carved up for a five-minute segment like we are doing. It's something, <laughs> Except it's, with your podcasting. It's something okay. that should be lived and breathed. And, and, you know, just because the spell, quote, ended doesn't mean it ended. If you're putting your, your, your work into it, you have to do it every day. Mm-hmm. You have to be a spiritual person. There's nothing. Um, I find it odd when people walk through the door and they want a spell on something and they, they have no reference point. They, they work with no points of divinity. They have no ancestor relationships. They have no animal allies or any allies of any kind. They know nothing of any spell work. They just have the desire. Right, but they've been enculturated into a Hollywoodized version of what magic is. And so they expect to walk into an establishment where a, a magical practitioner resides and say, hey, do the job. Well, and I have no problem with them saying do the job yeah. because that's why we've done the practice and the work to, to be able to do that. I, I have no, uh, no problem being the hired uh, help with that. It's the people who come in here and expect for you know a 49-cent candle, 30 cents worth of herbs, and, and $2 worth of oil. I'm going to get this major result of a life change event. Right. Most likely... No, because you haven't done a lot of the prep work and built the relationships and done the things you need to do to, you know, to facilitate that. Right. All right. Well, that's probably about the time we have for this edition. So who brought this episode edition? We never we ever figured that out. Episode, I think, was the word. Episode. Right. Sure, why not? I'm having an episode right now. This episode <laughs> was brought to you in part by Nui Cobalt Designs, purveyors of fine handcrafted talismans, oils, and magical sundries. Visit us at NuiCobaltDesigns.com to see the full collection and subscribe to our free weekly astrology report and to keep up what's, what the sky, on what the sky has to say, but not what I have to say because apparently I can't speak. Michael? <laughs> also brought to you by the Magical Druid here in Columbus, Ohio, in whose secret cave, not made out of blankets and a card table, beneath <laughs> the stairs on the banks of the Olentangy where we are working. Visit us online at MagicalDrow.com for all of your ritual and magical needs, regardless of path. And don't forget, you can always contact us at info at PaganGumbo.com. That's right. If you have questions, if you have ideas for uh, shows, or if you would like to help us purchase screens so that we don't hear Lisa go, (laughs) or me, or anybody else. Until we meet again, walk with wisdom in balance, and in service. And there's a bonus if people can figure out if I say the same thing every time.